Hi, I'm Natalie from Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, this is Edmund from Montana. Hi, I'm Dan from Atlanta, Michigan. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Alex Patsavis is a veteran music supervisor. She's placed indie rock songs into shows like Grey's Anatomy and Gossip Girl and most notably, perhaps, The O.C. So I guess she has at least some responsibility for making this song so huge. California. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. I don't think you would expect The Sound of Young America to be doing an extended uh, uh, segment on the topic of uh, the new Twilight film, Uh, but I'm very glad to invite to this show uh, the music director of that film. She's also been the music director for numerous uh, other films and television programs, including uh, such groundbreakers in the field of music direction as... The O.C. and Grey's Anatomy and Mad Men, as well as many great films, uh, including um, Piranha. Caged Heat 3000. Caged Heat 3000, which is, now as I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, Caged Heat 3000 is uh, not just a woman, a women in prison film, but a women in prison in space film. Uh, correct. That's amazing. Directed by a very good friend of mine. That, um, that's superb. It, yeah, it, it, uh, it's one of a kind. I, I feel like this is a, a, as good a time as any for you to describe when you're the music supervisor of, uh, let's just take a random film, Piranha. Um, what are your responsibilities? What do you do? The more low budget the project, the more responsibilities actually the music supervisor has. And, and those sort of those responsibilities get divided as you move into network and studio projects. Um, but on a, sh- on a show like Piranha... So if you were working on Piranha 3D... If I was working on Piranha 3D in space, right, um, then I would... The music supervisor sits down with the director, helps to hire the composer, maybe sets up five or six meetings so that... You know, that, that relationship is so important that the director and the composer really share language and can the composer can bring to life what the director may not be able to articulate that he needs musically for his project. Um, and then, you know, theme songs and credit songs, and then whatever, if there's an on-camera band, that's the music supervisor's job. Um, if there is a theme song to be written, that's, you know, that's the music supervisor's responsibility. In a low-budget company, it might include filing those cue sheets and really seeing it from beginning to end. But as you know, as if, as the studio gets involved, the network gets involved, there's lots of people that participate. When you started doing this, what were you ill-prepared for? Everything. It's a job that you cannot learn in school. I know there's lots of music supervisor programs out there, and I get a lot. Are there of, really? There are. There are, like, <laughs> there are, you know, music business and music supervisor classes, and, and it is a job that you have to do. And, I, you know, I get, a, I get emails once in a while about, like, I, yeah, I'd really like to do this, um, and my first response is meet a filmmaker. If you're, in, especially if you're in school, like 
meet meet a filmmaker and and actually see what it's actually like to put music to picture instead of sort of thinking about your record collection and how you could do better. What were the first things that you learned in um, making that transition from that imaginary world to the practical world? What were the things that you learned? I think you start to really think about the differences between source and score, when it makes sense for there to be a song, how sometimes songs can be used as score instead of, you know, traditionally source used to be, you know, blasting from car radio, you know, jukebox, you know, the source... Source means so literally so a musical source. Um, and I also think that you start to think about how instruments sound, what can sit under dialogue, what needs silence. I mean, there, you know, it, music supervision is, you know, all, although it's been called the new A&R sort of, it makes that term makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Although like we definitely can discover music, the, the music we select is never, ever separate from the picture. And so it's experienced as you as a, as the as the viewer watches the movie, they hear the music. And so, of course, you can buy the soundtrack and and you know such a. I mean, I love soundtracks, but I think that they're incredibly important because of their connection to the visuals. Um, certainly, uh, a popular song has been an important part of movie making mm-hmm. since you know uh, the Graduate, non performed on screen. What is that? Non-diegetic? Diegetic or non-diegetic? I have no idea. Okay. Well, we're not going to talk about diegesis then. Um, (laughs) I'm sure everybody's cheering. um, The popular music that isn't being performed on screens has been going on for 40 years. But over the course of your career, the way that popular music is used, especially in um, uh, mass media like a television show like The O.C., has changed a lot. When did you see that start to change? Well, I was I was the lucky lottery winner who got to music supervise the OC for Josh Schwartz, um, a uh, the youngest person to ever executive produce and create a network television show. I mean, such a and a and a true music fan, and he he thought about indie rock, indie popular music as a character in the show. And in fact, in the second season, created a venue, um, the Bait Shop, um, to showcase specifically indie rock artists. Um, and we had Modest Mouse and The Killers and, you know, Death Cab, quite a few bands that um, that are much, much bigger than indie rock these days. How did you how did you see that music being used even before you got that gig? What was setting up? That was just about the time that the traditional music business really got scared. I think. I think that that, you know, when I was, when I was just starting to be a music supervisor in the '90s, all of my friends were in A and R and worked at labels, and it was such a flush time. You know, so much, um, so many signings. Everybody was replacing their cassette tapes with the you know CD collect. It was a, it was a very it was a it was sort of a fake success story. I think. Um, and around the time of the OC, I think, you know, licensing and, you know, television and film started to become recognized within marketing departments and with, and amongst bands as a way to get one, you know, way to get music heard amongst fans. You worked on Mad Men, um, uh, a show set in 1961, 1962, mm-hmm. 1963. Um, 
what's your process for that research that you have to do? Uh, well, I think that just doing a little reading first, just, um, just doing a little reading about the period is really important. Um, sans music, just sort of learning about the culture of the time as best as one can. And then, you know, Matt Weiner, incredibly, um, interested in music and very specific, you know, he picked so much of the music, um, had a lot to, a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas about what exactly what he wanted the music to sound like. And the other part of the music supervisor's job, which nobody really wants to talk about, but I'm going to talk about today on your show is the, is the clearance part, uh, is the legal process of actually, um, making sure that especially in a, in a show that's based in 1962, the writer could have died in 1970, um, we now have 40 year old air, you know, it's, it's, we, we go many lawyers, many heirs, many approvals, um, and, and rightly so, uh, people who are anxious about their, uh, fathers, their mother's legacies. And so very particular and, um, interested in exactly how those songs are going to be used. How do you sort out your priorities when you're doing that? Do you sit down with Matthew Weiner and say, um, I love this one 10 out of 10 and it costs this much. I love this one 8 out of 10 and it costs this much. No, I think that, you know, uh, I send down compilations to Matt, like about, about on a weekly basis of music from, you know, and, and on that particular show, of course, it takes place in a certain moment in time and we cannot send down music that has been written or recorded later than that moment in time. And so, um, Music gets sent down, pitches, it's called a pitch when, you know, we're pitching for a specific moment or scene. And what's really, you know, I don't, um, I don't rate my choices. Taking Mad Men as an example, what what was the most important song that you chose for that show? The Decemberist Use, um, which Matt Weiner actually, he picked that song. I wouldn't have the guts to have gone outside of the time period, um, because, we were very stick. We we're sticking mostly to time period. A couple of times we've gone out, but that I real I loved the Decemberist use. I thought it was. Um, did you see it? By any chance? I remember seeing it. I remember being surprised as well because I recognized it as the Decemberist, and so right. rarely was there anything in Mad Men that was right. outside of that specific. I just thought it like it it uh, it was so trippy and so, and the scene was trippy anyway. Um, and I I love that use. Just Desc- describe the scene with um with Betty. You know shooting some poor birds, um, but a very surreal moment in, in Mad Men. Here she comes in her palanquin on the back of an elephant on a bed made of linen and sequins and silk All astride on her father's line with the king and his concubines and her nurse with her It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Alex Patsavis. Alex is a music supervisor in Hollywood. She's worked on shows like Grey's Anatomy and The O.C., She's now the music supervisor for the new Twilight film. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Twilight movies. 
Um, what was your mandate in picking music for these movies? What What was the thing that when you sat down w- for the very first time uh, was presented to you as, you know, the direction we want to go? I sat down with director Chris White's. I mean, I took a field trip to the West Side, um, and he he was just about to go and shoot the movie, and he really he definitely knew he wanted to use some indie rock. The script itself was sort of much more somber, and I've said this before, but much more somber than the first movie. In this movie, our main characters, Bella and Edward, spend the most of the movie separated, and Bella is longing for Edward, and we and we. And Edward is away from Bella. And so the music and, the, you know, a lot of sad, long, lost moments. And, uh, and some, you know, so we turned to some of my favorite indie artists and definitely some of Chris's favorite indie artists. Now, now why was uh, indie rock what you turned to? First, because it's like the music that Chris saw. In, you know, as he imagined the the soundscape of the project, uh, Alexandre Desplat, of course, did the score. An amazing um, composer from France, from Paris, uh, and I think that the that he just wanted a less polished, less rehearsed, more intelligent. I don't know how to say it. Just a, like a very a smart sound. And these are the bands that we gravitated to. It's definitely. Um, somber and it's you know it's not there's not a, a lot you know our, our most zero kicking out of jams there's a lot of you know there's not a lot of upbeat you know there's some even but, okay go's song is pretty kind of uh, low to mid-tempo right and you know of course we have our band of skulls which is pretty saucy and has a, has a bit of swagger of course in the hurricane bells um, but in general uh the songs were used to score very sad emotional moments, and the music reflects that. We we were uh, we were joking about uh, Hurricane Bell's song "Monsters," and um, uh, it is it is saucy certainly, but um, it's about the least saucy song you could possibly least kicking out the jam song you could write with the title "Monsters" by the band Hurricane Bells. It's true. <laughs> You're right. Situations are critical You gotta look first before you go If you wasn't too sure then now you know The situations are critical Wait, okay, you gotta look before you go Wait, okay, you gotta look before you go We knew that all of the songs on the soundtrack were going to be exclusive to the soundtrack, so they would have to be unreleased everywhere else. And so bands started submitting unreleased songs. So the Tom York song was submitted, but the Grizzly Bear song, for instance, came, you know, Grizzly Bear came into the cutting room. They sat down with Chris. So we sort of eventually had sort of two different ways the music was happening, and that was either submitted unreleased material, a group of five or six bands came down to the cutting room, Chris talked about what he wanted the songs to sound like, and they came together that way. 
And the Grizzly Bear song is called Slow Life. Let's let's actually uh, take a second and hear that song. the sound of young america i'm jesse thorne music supervisor alex patsavis has picked music for shows like gray's anatomy and the oc she's also chosen songs for the new film in the twilight series are you ever tempted uh to hire um either huey lewis in the news or aerosmith to record a song with the title of the film in the title of the song because if i had your job that would be all i could think about Josh Schwartz loves Huey Lewis more than anything <laughs> in the world. Um, uh, I think that, uh, unfortunately, I haven't I haven't given that idea a lot of thought, but I'm going to have to. Well, I'm just throwing it out there. That's public domain. All right. That's for right. you, Thank you. I could, Alex. Steal, I could steal that. Oh, you don't even have to steal it. You can have it. You can share it. Just as Benjamin Franklin once said, that the light that lights your taper from mine does not diminish either flame. Wow. Uh, I'm... A, you know, approximately, that's what he said. <laughs> Taper means candle in old time. Yes, I, I know. Okay. I know. Thank you. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to hire Huey Lewis, would you take the opportunity? Of course. How could I, how could I miss out on that? Do you think you could get Huey Lewis to record a theme song for my radio show? I don't and know. how much do you think it would cost? How much money do you have? <sighs> um... See, if I cashed out my municipal bonds, I guess we're looking at... I think it depends on if he was a fan of your show or not. He's not. I'm confident he's not. Then it's going to be more difficult. So you need to like you need to start a letter writing sh- campaign. To Huey? To Huey. Do you remember when Roswell did that? They Ro- started a letter writing they campaign a, to Huey Lewis? No, they started, a le- they started a campaign where all the fans send in ketchup bottles to the network. So we need to. So we need to send ketchup to, bottles to, to Huey, Huey Lewis. Maybe not ketchup. Something, something Huey, something Huey themed. Whales. Whales. That would be expensive and difficult, but I think it would. It certainly helps with the theme song if he's a fan. If he's not a fan, not so much. Okay. Well, Alex, I certainly appreciate your help with this and other matters, and and thank you so much for taking the time to be on The Sound of Young America. Thank you for having me. Alex Patsavis is one of the premier music directors in Hollywood. Her most recent project is the soundtrack for the soon-to-be hit film Twilight, colon, New Moon, which is a very heart-rending film about vampires and wolfmen. 
That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our music provided by Dan Wally. The show edited by Nick White. Our intern is Mariel Reyes. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. If you'd like MaximumFun.org stuff, like Sound of Young America t-shirts and whatnot, visit us at MaxFunStore.com. That's MaxFunStore.com. Um, if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me. My email address, and it's my real actual email address, is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. Jesse at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.